All right, Philippians chapter 3. We're in this series about called Knowing God. And we've, we've learned in this series, hopefully, that knowing God isn't about going to heaven. Knowing God isn't about being religious. Knowing God isn't about knowing the Bible. Knowing God is having a personal relationship with the living God through the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what eternal life is. And we've talked in different ways to, to grow in that and express that. And, and we've kind of followed Paul here in chapter 3. Last week we looked at his, his passionate statement after 30 years of walking with Christ. And he basically just said, I want to know him. I mean, you'd think, buddy, I think you know him. I knew him. I know him. But I want to know him. That's the thing about Jesus. He never gets old. He has no rival. He can't have a rival because there's none that can compare to him. So this morning, we're going to go a little deeper in this knowing God, and we're going to talk about what it means to know God and become like him in knowing him. If you say you know God, but you're not becoming like him, then you don't know him. You might be religious, and you may know the Bible. There are people that know the Bible, and the way they live and treat other people, they, they exemplify they don't know him. It's kind of like John says in 1 John, if you hate your brother whom you can see, don't say you love God. Don't say you know God. You don't know him because he loves that person. They may not be lovable. They may not be very nice. There are lots of people that would, if you put me in a room, I'd like to take a baseball bat to them. I've been recommending we pray for a certain individual that, uh, uh, you know, is on the news pretty much every day and uh, notorious sinner. And if you left me alone without Jesus, I'd take a baseball bat to him in the room and feel righteous in doing it. But that's not good. And that's not like Jesus. Now, does he deserve it? Yeah, but any more than me? No. We always tend to have more mercy on ourselves than we do the others. Let's just say God has enough mercy for the worst sinner out there. Now, that doesn't mean he approves of their behavior, but he also means he doesn't approve of my being un-Christ-like in my behavior and how I think about other people that are bad people or that I don't like or that have hurt me or that have hurt my family, or that have hurt this church. Do you know how hard it is for me for people that trash talk this church? I, again, want to get the baseball bat out. You should be glad I'm saved, you know, because I'd be in prison if I wasn't. I have no doubt about that. I was on my way there when I got saved, so I'd had a pretty good path going towards it. But God doesn't leave us alone. If you know him, he's going to mess with you. If you know him... He wants to change you. So Paul follows up on this in chapter 3 as he says in verse 10. Again, he says, I want to know Christ. He says, that's my life. That's my bottom line. That's my passion. It doesn't matter what else I know or accomplish or do. If I don't know him, I've lived a life in vain. I want to know him better. You could add the word better there because he knows him, but he wants to know him Better. Now he describes knowing him in a very tangible but yet deep, profound way. He says this, I want to know Christ and the power 
of his resurrection and the fellowship or the partnership of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like, say it with me, like him in his death, and so somehow to attain the resurrection from the dead. He's, he talks about this cycle of knowing. I want to know him, but I want to know him in his suffering. I want to know him in the power of his resurrection. I want to become like him on the cross. And I want to know him. And I want to know his resurrection power. And I want to know him in my suffering. And he, he's got this, and the, the depth of what he's talking about here, he references knowing him in the power of his resurrection is basically attributing everything to his life is from God doing a miracle inside of him. When Christ was raised from the dead, it guaranteed our resurrection. When Christ was raised from the dead, it made possible our new life. I, I can't change me. The Christian life isn't you change you. The Christian life is you need a miracle. And that miracle is called a new birth or a resurrection. It's not something I can do to myself. It's something God does to me. God does in me. God does. He puts a new heart inside of us. This resurrection power isn't some electricity that I can walk around, you know, like super. I just. I'd love that, you know, but I, none of us would walk in humility if we had that. Basically, it means that when you're fellowshipping with Christ in his sufferings, when you're living a life, when you give your heart to Jesus, it's going to cost you something. It's, there is suffering involved in walking with Jesus. I lost all my friends when I came to Christ, all of them, because they didn't want to be around light because they were living in the darkness. They, they didn't want to be around somebody that was loved Jesus, and they just loved drugs, and they, they, they loved their, their life. You know, I came to Jesus. I had a resurrection. That's the only way you come to Jesus. It's not becoming religious and joining the church, and I quit a few bad habits. It's a transformation that started and is continued, and as Paul says, I'm not arrived yet. But God's doing something in me that I can only explain by the power of the resurrection. But it invites me to be like Christ in the fellowship or the partnership of sharing in his sufferings, which means every time I forgive somebody, I share in his sufferings. Every time I humble myself and, and I suffer for it, I fellowship. It's not about I got in trouble and did stupid things and so I'm suffering for Jesus. No, you're stupid. That's why you're suffering for Jesus. No, he's talking about when you take steps that cost you in following him, when you get attacked by the enemy, when you're assaulted with temptation and you're struggling against sin, and there's hardship and brokenness, and there's a struggle, there's a fight. He said, in that, Jesus is with you and the power of Jesus to raise the dead. So growing like him. Now, here's what I want to do this morning. That was kind of like the setup to want to go to Romans chapter 6, and I want to talk to you about water baptism this morning because water baptism is the, is the outworkings of everything we just talked about. In Romans 6, the Apostle Paul, the same one who wrote Philippians, is going to write about water baptism. Now, in the context, there were people running around saying, hey, just live however you want. God loves everybody. In fact, his grace is so good that just the more you sin, the more grace he has for everybody. And, 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 and Paul's like, no, 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 no. That isn't the way it works. 
It's not like, well, God will forgive me. Why does it matter what I do? Because if you're going to become like him, there are things in your life that are going to have to change. And it may be painful to change those things. And most of those things I can't change in my own power. You know, Charles Swindoll, I love him. He's on the radio every day, and he's a great, my wife and I started early in our marriage listening to him, but he said this. He said, becoming a Christian, your first days as a Christian, you think, man, this Christian life, is, it's easy. It's easy. Think back when you first came to Jesus. Man, it was like the, the hills are, the, are alive with the sound of music, and angels are walking with me to work, and I open the Bible, and it's like, poosh. You know, and I, I pray, and before the prayer's out of my lips, it's already answered. I mean, new believers have this, 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 just this grace on them. And he said, but then, you know, you, you start getting attacked, and, and you start realizing this Christian life, it's, it's no party. It's not a, it's hard. It's hard. It's, it's challenging. It's, we got a real enemy. And then you go a little further, and you've realized it's not just hard. This is impossible. I'm never going to make this. I can't make it on my own. That's where Paul goes back to the power of the resurrection. I'm suffering saying, God, I can't. There's no way I can't. I don't have the strength, the power, the grace, the wisdom. I need, and then God just raises you up. And that's been my story for the last 47 years is watching Jesus take me in those places where I can't and he can because he's the God that I know and I know him in the power of his resurrection. Now, that all references back to my water baptism. I want you to see. So Paul says this in verse 1 for those people that say, it doesn't matter how you live. Verse 1, what shall we say then? Romans 6, 1. Shall we go on sinning so that grace can increase? By no means. There was a, a, a version of the Bible called the cotton patch version. I'm assuming it was some rednecks that wrote. I don't know. I don't, but here's how they translated verse 2. He says, shall we go on sinning that uh, grace may increase? Verse 2 says, hell no. I'm like, okay. That's pretty close to what he means here. I know it's not a, a, a very wise thing to, to use the word hell in any way other than it's not somewhere where you want to go. It's somewhere that Jesus died that we don't go. But this sinning, and thinking it's not a big deal to God, Paul says, no, 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 no. Heck no. No way. And then he says this in verse 2. How can we live who have died to sin, how can we live in it any longer? There's a death that happened. When, verse 3. Or don't you know? So he's kind of like, yeah, maybe I, I didn't at the time. No one really explained baptism to me. You know, I just, I, I, he said, don't you know? That those of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his, say it with me, death. So when I got baptized, I had a funeral. So if you're getting baptized next week, call your friends. Say, I'm, I'm dying next week. And I want to invite you to my memorial. It's going to be at the vineyard. Put it on Facebook. Now, don't do that. It's probably going to, somebody will freak out. They'll report you. They'll Baker Act you. And then you'll, you'll, you'll be like, man, that was stupid. And I'll deny that I ever said it. So it was a bad, and they'll burn the tape. So you can't, there's no evidence. And everybody in the vineyard, they, they don't listen well. And so they're discredited. But, but the reality is, in 1975, in the Gulf of Mexico, in December, I think it's the 22nd or 23rd, 
an 18-year-old drug addict, criminal, lost young man who had given his heart to Jesus had a funeral. He died in those waters. He was buried like Christ was buried. Everything I brought to Jesus was buried. Sin, shame, darkness, guilt, buried. Now that's, that's reality whether I felt it or not. It, that's, that's what it means to be joined in Christ, one with Christ. Baptism didn't make it happen. It, 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 it's a, like, a, like driving in a stake, and it's a, it's, a, it's a reference point that you go back to so I can say I know the day, I know the hour, I know the place, I know the water, I know the temperature. I'm back there right now. Can you go back to yours? If you can't, then something's missing. You say, well, I was a baby. There's my point. Had nothing to do with your choice. Had everything to do with what your parents wanted. That's fine for them. But in the Bible, baptism is a following of Jesus. It's you choosing to die. Jesus said, if you want to come after me, take up your cross and come and follow me. There's a death in baptism that can't happen when somebody else is doing it for you. It's a death that you must choose. Paul says, I want to know him, but I got to know him because I had to die first to Paul being Lord, die to sin ruling my life, die to Satan being in charge, die to the world capturing my heart. I had to die. Now, I'm kind of like that old preacher that, that uh, he took this young guy, I was a little cocky, getting baptized. And he, he put him under the water, and he held him there. I mean, shoved him down, held him. And it was kind of fun at first. All of a sudden, the guy's lost his breath. His arms are frailing. Out, his legs are out of the tank. He's, he's clawing at the pastor who's just pressing him down to the bottom of the and just at that moment where he's about to suck in a, a whole mouthful of water and, and, and kill him, he jerks him out of the water and he says, boy, when you want God like you want that next breath, then you're ready for Jesus. And he pushed him back under the water. I've always wanted to try that. Maybe next week. That's why I'm not getting baptized at the vineyard. It's not safe. I want a safe baptism. <laughs> You're going to die. It's not by me holding you down. It's a spiritual surrender. Death means you're cut off positionally in Christ. You're cut off from what all used to rule your life. And no longer is it my will be done. Now it's his will be done. So Paul, when he talks about knowing Christ, he knows him in his fellowship of his suffering. Like his death, there's a surrender. But thank God we don't leave people under the water. Look what Paul says. He says, you've been buried with Christ, baptized into his death, verse 4. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may you could put begin and live. We live a new life. 
we, when we baptize people, I'll say, uh, uh, um, uh, I can't think of a, a name. I don't want to just use somebody's name, but uh, okay, Bob's the general name. Bob, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You'll be buried like Christ was buried. We put them under. And by the way, I teach our team. Sometimes I have to correct them often because they'll let a spot of the hair be dry. I'm like, no, 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 no. We're all in people. Get the hair in there. I don't care if you have to get water and we sprinkle on top of baptizing all the way down. But we, get, we go all in because there's no half dead. It's not, no, I, I got almost buried, left my arm out. You'd be like the guy going, getting baptized, and he said, wait a minute, Pastor, I got, I got my wallet. And he looked at it, and he thought, well, you know, that probably needs baptizing too. And he put it back in his pocket. Some of you didn't bring your wallet with you when you got baptized. Uh-oh. All of me? Even my wallet? All of you. I mean, my, that's my wallet. It is until you're baptized. When you're baptized, everything becomes His. As we say in the wedding ceremony, which I've gone out, and I'm, my wife and I have talked about it, and, and we, we don't do very many weddings anymore. We do them together. And so, you know, if you're in the church and need to get married, we'll get you married. We've got a bunch of pastors. But if we do it, there'll be no more writing of your vows. Now, you can do it as an addendum after you say, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer. It's coming in sickness and in health. Till death do us part. With all that I am and all that I have, I give to you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's getting married. Not when the moon shines in the brightness and your eyes sparkle like the stars. The wonder of you, that'll wear off in a couple weeks. Let me just help you. You're going to want to go back to better or worse. When he lost his job, you're back to poorer. I want that richer part, but I got the poorer. It came with a deal. Baptism is like that. You don't say, Jesus, it feels good. It's all good. I'm getting baptized, and, and I'm just, all my problems are going to go away, and, and life's going to be wonderful after. I thought that. I got baptized. I got hammered the next week. I got attacked worse than I could ever imagine being attacked. The enemy hates you taking new ground. He hates you going all in with Jesus. That doesn't mean you back off because he just had you deceived before. But when you go on, so some of you, you can go back. Like I can go back to my wedding and I can see my bride coming and I can see me making those promises to her. And there's times we've renewed those vows. But it didn't, I was married. You can't renew something you don't have. You're living with your girlfriend. You can't renew your wedding vows because you ain't made any yet. When you make them, you can go back to them and you can relive them. Anytime I do a wedding or I'm at a wedding, I feel convicted. I'm reminded of all the commitments and the promises. And I renew that. It's the same with baptism. Every time we baptize people, I love watching people get baptized. I love the power of God. So I go back and I embrace my baptism. Now I'm 66 and a half. So however many years, 18 to 66, and don't get your calculator out. If you can't do it in your head, move on. But 
So who that can do it in your head? How many years? 48. I'm going to trust that. I don't know. 48 years ago, my mom and dad lost their mind when I got baptized. Because I was Episcopal, and they baptized babies, much like Catholics. And they thought I'd ruin their whatever. And my dad thought some cult group had gotten a hold of me and blah, blah, blah. My mother got an appointment with her priest because she was worried about me. She wasn't worried about me when I was doing drugs because she didn't know I was doing drugs. But anyway, <laughs> it's like I tell youth when their par- if your parents won't let you come to Nova Youth Group or go to church, just tell your mom, I don't know, I can't decide. I'm either going to Nova Wednesday night or this, this drug-infested party that's going to be over here at this neighborhood. I can't decide which one I'm going to go to. What do you think, Mom? If she says the drug-infested party, mm, I have parents, I've seen parents where their kids' rebellion is to come to church because the parents are so anti-God. They do it on their own. They get up, they get themselves ready, and they get here with no parental support. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine your kid is just getting baptized and you don't even come to watch them? Ah, man. I go back to something. I go back to 19. I go back there. Not to live there, but just to say, yes, Lord. I said, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish, till death brings me to you. Not going to part me. God shows up. Yesterday we did a memorial for a wonderful man. His, uh, his bride is here with us this morning, Omar. 59 years of marriage. When she said better for worse, richer for she meant it. She had to care for him the last 10 years in a a very challenging way. Great man, wonderful man. They told me the story that, and he was from Venezuela, and at one point had like, he had a law firm with like over 2,000 people underneath him. I mean, he was, the government came in and took all of his homes and all of their resources. I mean, just, they've lived up and they lived down. He brought his family to America for safety. And, but they told me this story that though he'd had Christian parents that were even in the ministry and he had faith in God, and, but he had, had, had just not been water baptized. And uh, about a dozen years ago, he decided to get baptized. And when he got baptized, he came up and, and he came unglued. And that everybody's like, what's going on? And he said, all my life, I've had this reoccurring nightmare that I get to this set of doors, which obviously is heaven. I get to this set of doors and I, 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 I turn away or I can't get in. The door's locked. It's shut. He said, when I went down in those waters and I came up in the likeness of his resurrection, I had this vision that the doors were open. And let me just tell you, that's what grace and the gospel does. And he entered into those doors just a couple weeks ago and the glory of Jesus, not because he was baptized, but in that baptism was the power released and the faith that he exercised to have that vision that the doors are open wide. One of my favorite baptism stories, some of you have heard it, but you got, you know, when you've been as, around as long as I have, you run out of stories eventually. So just laugh when at the appropriate time and just say, okay, I've heard that before. Because you know there's four or five people that haven't heard it and it's worth telling again. I'm up in upper state New York. I'm preaching. 
I'm preaching uh, uh, out in a tent. It's, a, it's an old camp meeting. Some of you remember that. God was showing up. It was just powerful. Last day I was there, this big giant man, 6'8", six, 6'9", six, probably pushing 400. He could have played the lineman for whoever. I mean, a monster of a man. Dreads all the way down. Dark as night. Overalls on. Little bitty wife and several little bitty children came walking out of the woods. No shoes. Big giant Bible. He said, I've been reading this Bible and I found the God of this Bible and I've been listening to you all week. And I read in here where we need to get baptized and I want to get married and I want you to do it. Now, if that would have happened here, I would have first said, well, do you have a wedding license? Didn't even mention it. Wasn't going to bring it up. Didn't care about it. Wasn't going to argue with him. All I said was, you want to get baptized first or married first? He said, I want to get baptized first. And my whole family's getting baptized. I think they had a choice, but I'm not sure. I don't know. If that was my dad, I'm getting baptized. I walked out, and this is Upper State, New York, and they all lied to me if it's not true. I don't know. They said, we don't have poisonous snakes in Upper State. Is that true? Anybody, any upper, no poisonous snakes. That's what they told me. But it looked like I was walking into a moccasin infested, you know, with cattails growing out of it, mud. No one would go in and help me. And so I just walked in, and I've got over my knees mud. And just sinking in in just a couple feet of water. I take this big guy in there, and I say, I forget what his name was. And, and then, you know, because of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, and as an act of obedience to God's word, I baptize you into the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You're going to be buried like Christ was buried. I laid him down. And then when I got to the raised in the likeness of his resurrection, I realized his stomach had not gotten wet. You can't go half beep and go all the way. So I thought, what did he mean by that beep, honey? I don't know. And so I took both hands, because we're not going to do halfway nothing. I took both hands and mashed on his stomach, because I wanted him all the way in. Well, I didn't realize I created a giant suction of the mud. I couldn't get him out. It was like, <laughs> I grabbed him by his dreads. I knew my life is at stake here, but I'm gonna, he's going to die. Nobody was helping me. I'm out there by myself in the mud. <laughs> Finally, the suction breaks. He comes up out of the water. Water's out of his ears, his nose, his eyes, his mouth. I'm thinking, he's going to crush me like a bug. And he gives me this giant bear hug, and he lifts me up. He says, thank you, pastor. Thank you. He just figured that's just the way you do it. I'm like, yes, yeah, sometimes that's just the way we do it. I can tell you next week there'll be no mud, but you're going to go all the way because Jesus wants all of you. He wants your head, your heart, your hands. He wants your genitals to go in with you. By the way, they get baptized. They belong to him. You belong to him. Baptism says all that you are has been purchased by you. You've been buried. You're now belong to Jesus. You've been raised. You've got a new life ahead of you. Yes, you're going to make failures. Yes, you're going to blow it. Yes, you're going to struggle. Yes, you're going to battle. But the victory was won at the baptism. You're not waiting someday. 
I might get to, you're working from the promise that he's already defeated every enemy we'll face. And the last one will be death. And so that when we're raised, we're raised to know that the God that raises the dead, every time he changes us, it's a little mini resurrection. Every time I resist the flesh, every time I give God my pride, every time I choose to forgive, every time I Say no to the lies of the devil. There's a mini resurrection. There's a power. I didn't do that on my own. I didn't change me. God doesn't let us get baptized and say, okay, go figure this thing out. I got to know him, but I want to know him in the power of his resurrection. I want to know him when he's with me in my sufferings, that he gives me the strength to go on. And the power of his resurrection brings me back to carrying the cross and humble myself. And it's a journey. It's not perfect. I didn't come out perfect, but I came out joined to Jesus. I came out dead, and now I'm alive. There's a gravestone. There's a gravestone. We should literally have gravestones. What's that graveyard? They're all the people that have been baptized at the vineyard. They died on that day, but they came back to life, and they'll never die again. And that's the promise that baptism brings. So I say to you again, can you go back and connect with what happened? If you can't, and there's no memory there, you need a memory. A life-giving, life-changing choice to say, I want to get baptized. In fact, I preached this last message, this, this first service. I thought, I want to get baptized again. I just, it, it, I know what happens. And again, it's not about the feelings, the emotions, but I, I've watched God come on people. I watched a guy one time walked into our, we were having another tent meeting. This was on Sanibel. He walked off the streets, homeless guy, a veteran, had all kinds of PTSD. This was a lifetime ago. He'd have been a Vietnam veteran. He came in, had smelled reek of alcohol, and he said, at the end of the service, he said, I want to get baptized today, Pastor. And I had my coat and tie on. That didn't bother me back then. And I, we went out down Tarpon Bay Road like we would do, got our guitars, got out there, and we baptized this guy. And he went out in the water, and I was thinking, I don't know if I should do it or not because he's still a little tipsy. And, and we took him out there, and I got my tie on. I took my coat off. I got my tie on. Back then, I was Baptist, and you don't, my mom, you don't, don't go without a tie. You know, I'd mow my grass with a tie. I didn't, but anyway. So I baptized him. I didn't see this happen, but I had people I trusted on the beach that saw a shaft of light come and strike this guy, and he raises both hands after we bring him up, and he starts screaming, I'm saved! I'm saved! I've been forgiven! I'm clean! I'm clean! He's showing me his hands. If there's a, a better beginning, new beginning than that, I, I don't know about it. It doesn't exist. It's not a New Year's resolution. It's not a quit a few bad habits. It's a resurrection. It's a new heart. It's a new life. Now it's a journey afterwards. There's growth, and, but that's the anchor. That's the, 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 the stake is in the ground. You don't have to redo it. Next month, I fell. Let me get rebaptized. I fell again. No, you go back and say, I died. I was buried. I've been raised in the light. Lord, let me know you and that power of your resurrection. Only God can lift us up out of the stuff we get ourselves into. Only God can change the heart of someone that's got stubbornness and, and, and just, just 
bondage is. Only God that kills the sin can set the sinner free. God is the God that loves to put us in the grave where his son went so he could take us out where his son will take us so that we never need fear death because resurrection has already happened. Death has already been defeated. Oh, grave, where is your sting? The victory is in Jesus. So I'm hoping that some of you that haven't been baptized as a believer will get baptized next week. I would say, why not? Well, my mom and my dad, it's got nothing to do with your mom and dad. When you stand before Jesus, he ain't going to ask you about your mom and dad. He's going to ask you about you. He, he, you can say, well, you know, I, you know, I've been sentimental and, and you know, I don't want to ruffle you. This is about you and Jesus. It's the, it's, it's stop. I just, I, I just implore you. If you haven't been baptized as a believer that you can reference, I don't care what age you were, you could have been five years old. My, you know, my youngest daughter, Kim and I, was baptized at four years old. And when she came out of the water on the beach in front of, you know, 100 people and guitars, I said, Casey, what did it feel like? She said, I felt like Jesus coming out of the grave. Now, that's, that's, that's what baptism is. Now, there's been a lot of water under the bridge since then. She, that never gets old. Like the priest that said to my mom, it'll wear off. She was so worried. My son's become crazy religious fanatic. And the priest said, don't worry. I was like that at one time and it wore off. I'm going to tell you, when you get baptized in the name of Jesus, it never wears off. You may get weak, you can get weary, you can struggle, you can make bad choices, but he's not going to wear off or wear out. I'm still dripping with my baptism. I go back and say, I'm dead, but I've been made alive. I got a new life ahead of me, so do you. It's a promise, not a possibility. It's a certainty based on I know him and the power of his resurrection, and the partnership of sharing in his sufferings so I can become like Christ even on the cross who was raised from the dead. So that's this cycle in the Christian life of dying and living again, failing, falling, God raising us up to live again. I think it's going to be good next week. It doesn't matter if we have one. But, but just to celebrate the power of God in lives of new beginnings. Uh, it's just, it, it, again, we had a dozen sign up. I'm believing God for 30. I'm just believing for 30. I, think that, I just think God's going to do breathe on us. And we're going to see some folks just, uh, and it doesn't matter whether they're 8 years old or 80. But it'd help if you signed up and put baptism Though we'll let people come in their church clothes and get baptized, we don't wear robes. Uh, that's just not our style. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, but we're just going to take people and we're going to bury them alive. 
and then bring them up in the likeness of his resurrection. You're a walking miracle. If you know Jesus, as Paul, when he says, I, I want to know him, he knows I'm a miracle. He's made me alive. I was dead. He made me alive. I was blind, and now I can see. You don't have to wonder if I know him. When you've met him, you know him. And you'll want to know him better, but you'll also want to become like him. And those things in my life that I find that are displeasing to him, that are unlike him, he's working on those things now so that I can become more like him in my growth in knowing him. If me knowing God doesn't change me and how I'm living and my priorities and how I treat other people, then I'm not sure I know him very well. I may not know him at all. I may need to meet him and get to know him and surrender to him and have him give me a new heart. Let's pray together. And that'd be a question you'd have to ask yourself right now. Do I know him? Have I surrendered my heart to Jesus? I'm not asking whether you're baptized or not. I'm asking whether you've surrendered your heart to Jesus by faith and just said, Jesus, come be Lord of my life. If you haven't done that, then do it right where you're seated, right now, online, watching wherever you are. Jesus, come be Lord of my life. And like he did for Omar, he's going to do for you. He's going to open the doors that you could never get open on your own. You can beat on them, bang on them. You can beg and plead. But the only way that God opens that door to his heart is through you believing in his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. So just say yes to Jesus right now. Surrender. Then many of you have done that. Go back to your baptism. Go back to that, that new beginning, that place where you met God in the water. Doesn't matter what the name of the church was, whether it was outdoors, indoors, hot or cold. If you took that step of obedience as a believer and you were buried like Christ, you've been raised in the newness of life like him. So just celebrate it. Grow in it. Thank the Lord. Rebuke the devil when he tells you the lies that he puts on you. Lord, come now as we close this service out. Those that need to take a stand to say yes to Jesus as Lord. Give them courage. Let the power of the resurrection raise them up and even open their mouths. And Lord, just come and meet with us as we wait upon you. In Jesus' name.